Welcome to Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast with Elizabeth Crawford, where I dish with trendsetters, tastemakers, and industry experts about everything from emerging trends to marketing strategies to regulatory pressures. Despite efforts to brand fruit as nature's candy, celebrity endorsements by the likes of Jessica Alba designed to make vegetables sexy, and many retailers selling fresh produce at a loss to improve access and drive foot traffic, the vast majority of Americans do not eat enough fruits and vegetables each day. According to Produce for Better Health Foundation's 2020 State of the Plate report, which is published every five years, the average U.S. adult eats just 1.6 cups of the recommended 2 to 4 cups of vegetables a day, and less than 1 cup of the recommended 1.5 to 2.5 cups a day of fruit. As if this weren't bad enough, these numbers are dropping fast. PBH's report conducted by the NPD group found that since 2004, vegetable consumption frequency dropped 16%, with a dip of 4% in just the past five years. And juice consumption is down 15% since 2004, including 8% in the past five years. And while fruit-eating occasions are up 10% between 2004 and 2020, it wasn't enough to overcome net declines. The drop in produce consumption comes against a backdrop of increased awareness about the role nutrition plays in health and wellness, and a stated desire by many Americans to eat more nutrient-dense, fiber-rich produce. So what gives? Why is fruit and vegetable consumption so stubbornly low? And what can industry do to help reverse this trend? Weighing in on the challenges and opportunities facing the segment in this episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast are stakeholders from across the fruit industry gathered at the Food Nutrition Conference and Expo in Orlando last month, including the family-owned wild blueberry brand Wyman's, the prude and apricot marketing cooperative Sunsweet Growers, and the Northwest Pear Bureau. So while most Americans are taught from an early age to eat their fruits and vegetables, Charlotte Martin, a registered dietitian nutritionist that works with Wyman's, noted messaging about the health benefits of both, but especially fruit, has become muddled in recent years by diet trends and demonization of sugar and carbs. Uh, eight out of ten Americans aren't eating enough fruits and vegetables. And with fruit specifically, it's because there's just a lot of misinformation and fear-mongering around fruit. Uh, being on social media a lot, I hear all the time people saying that fruit is too high in sugar, you know, it's too high in carbs, it can't be, in, and for those reasons, it, you know, it can't be incorporated into a healthy, balanced diet. And I think this got even worse with the popularization of the keto diet. Uh, on the keto diet, you can have, I want to say you can have berries, a very small portion of, you know, raspberries and blackberries, especially because they're very high in fiber, and, and blueberries as well, but a small portion. And so people are terrified of fruit because of the sugar content, the overall carb content. So I think that's really what has driven this um, decrease in, in fruit consumption. Nicole Williams, who helps with PR for the Northwest Pear Bureau, agrees that concern about sugar is negatively impacting fruit consumption, but she stresses that sugar naturally found in whole fruit isn't the same as added sugar in many processed foods, a fact that stakeholders need to better communicate to consumers. 
food is like a symphony, and you need every single instrument to make it work. So if you just had the one instrument every day, all day long, it wouldn't work. It's, it's working together. So you add the natural sugar of fructose. You add the fiber, the vitamin C, the potassium. So in one food selection, you get all these vitamins and minerals that most people are just taking pills. And so the fact that it is juicy and it's sweet, it means it, it's delicious and you would you want to, to eat it. So, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with naturally occurring sugar. Now, it's got its limits. You can't sit down and eat a, a, a bushel of pears or watermelon or whatever. But, you know, in a normal, you know, serving size, it's, it's, it's nicely balanced. William said she also believes that fruit consumption has fallen off over the years, in part because people have become acclimated to flavor intensity of processed foods, as well as the convenience of packaged foods. I think the world has gotten uh, easy and convenient. And so I think people are not used to having a whole piece of fruit that they bite into. You know, they're used to buying packaged things that go into the lunch boxes, and everything needs to be just like grab and go. And so I think that is that is one thing that people just don't, they're out of habit of doing. And um, I also think that um, meals have gotten a lot more processed, and people aren't cooking as much. They don't have as much time, you know, they're running in all different directions, which, which leads to the convenience factor, which is why people go convenient. I think people have also even lost the taste of what fresh fruit and vegetables taste like. Because everything is, you know, added sugar, added salt, added all these extra things that a natural tasting piece of fruit or vegetable doesn't taste exciting enough. Increased reliance on packaged food also is contributing to the decline in fruit and vegetables because consumers often believe they have more of each of them than they actually do, which Patrick Carroll, VP of Marketing at Jasper Wyman & Son, says may deter Americans from actively seeking out supplemental produce. Um, I heard someone the other day, though, that, that you know, talk about misconception. They said, oh, I eat, I eat uh, fruits and vegetables all the time. I have a corn muffin every day. And it's like, yeah, the corn muffin's not quite cutting it sorry <laughs> so so uh, it, it, it's it's things like that that you know we, we can we can do better finally stephanie harrelson director of marketing at sunsweet growers hypothesized that consumption of fruit fell in recent years leading to the pandemic in direct proportion to the rising popularity of specialty coffee an unexpected but impactful correlation there had been a pretty significant decline in the amount of fruits and vegetables consumed by Americans. And actually, surprisingly, one of the driving factors was the reduction of fruit juice, um, because fruit juice actually can be a, like a, a compound towards your fruit consumption, um, especially if it's 100% fruit, fruit juice. Um, but that occasion has actually been replaced more so by actually coffee drinks. And people eating out of home, they just don't drink juice as often with breakfast as they had in the past. Um, and also, I think there has been some concern with, like, the sugar content of juice. So that's actually just uh, kind of a surprising fact that I learned, that that was actually a really key driver of reduction of um, fruit consumption. But then, like, you think of that breakfast occasion, that's actually, you know, fruit is very popular for breakfast or kind of mid-morning. Um, so there's just a lot more options out there. You know, if you 
get your coffee, you might be filled up from that, and you don't necessarily need a fruit snack or, you know, um, if you're out and about, maybe you don't have it with you or something, so... To combat the decline in consumption over the years, fruit producers and manufacturers of fruit-based products have stepped up communication about the nutrient density and health benefits of fruit, a strategy that Carol says resonates with consumers early in the pandemic and helps boost sales slightly, even if not enough to offset the overall decline in recent years. I think fruit consumption is on the rise. I can tell you, during the pandemic, um, you know, part of it was a shift from uh, fresh produce over to frozen, um, but but it's it's continued uh, beyond uh, beyond the pandemic, and, and it continues to grow to this day. Um, Wyman's is up, I think, 15% year on year, and so we we don't think that's just um, people switching. We think that it's it's people that are realizing that this stuff tastes really good, and I feel good with it, and and I want to come back and and try and incorporate more plants in, into my diet. Blueberries are very nutritious, and wild blueberries are even more nutritious than cultivated blueberries. Uh, you have to keep in mind that uh, wild blueberries were sort of cultivated by Mother Nature, um, and, and, you know, the birds and the bees and Darwinism and all that kind of good stuff that gets you to, you know, these really healthy berries, whereas cultivated berries were, were bred by farmers for size, because farmers get paid by the pound, so they wanted the biggest, fattest berries out there uh, to make the most money. So they were not bred for nutrition, they were not bred for flavor. Um, you know, our, our fruit um, is generally smaller than, than a cultivated blueberry, um, again, by, by design by Mother Nature. And the good thing about that is it gives you more fruit dispersion when you cook with it. So if you're making blueberry pancakes, every forkful can have a blueberry in it, not just like three or four. You can have a whole lot of blueberries all over the place. And I think that that, you know, is part of the fun and part of the, the uh, flavor and, and taste of it. But um, we know that wild blueberries uh, have more antioxidants than, than uh, cultivated blueberries, um, up to 2x the, uh, the, the amount of uh, uh, antioxidants. And, you know, people are looking for more, you know, I think that, again, going back to COVID, people are looking for, you know, nutritionally dense foods. And if you're going to do something, you might as well get the best. And uh, wild blueberries really, really offer that with, you know, high polyphenolic uh, content, which gives you the antioxidants, which helps you fend off all sorts of things. SunSweet also saw a spike in sales during the pandemic of prunes as consumers looked for and learned about nutrient-dense products that support their immunity and overall health. But Harrelson added, the trick will be maintaining and continuing to grow these sales as fear of the pandemic continues to ebb. We saw a huge growth during COVID of people trying prunes for the first time, <laughs> um, which is great, you know, because I think people just were looking for things that were actually very nutritious, but also, like you said, that would keep and that they could have on hand, um, you know. So, yeah, that's, uh, I think people discovered prunes <laughs> and prune juice, actually, prune juice as well has seemed like a growth in millennial consumers. So it's been, it's been pretty fascinating. A lot of people go to prune juice, you know, specifically for the digestive health benefit. So it is actually, we feel really good about it. And I think um, even, you know, at the grocery store, um, people see that it has a reason for, for being there, you know, that it's something that's providing fiber. It has, like, 
you know, five essential vitamins and nutrients, and um, there's no, like, sugar added to it. So it is actually a very, um, you know, good juice for, like, a healthy daily routine. Um, so that's primarily what we communicate about our juices is that it can, you know, offer you fiber, um, get your daily fiber, um, and then also provide you with the nutrients and then have the functional benefit of uh, digestive health. One way that both SunSweet and Wyman's are hoping to maintain and further boost consumption of fruit in the coming years is by offering more convenient products that better align with modern consumer lives. For SunSweet, Harrelson says that means offering more on-the-go options. So we have you know, just a lot of different options for people for convenience. We have the individually wrapped prunes, um, and we have, you know, fruit packs, which are like, kind of like a, a snack pack. Um, yeah, and then we, our most popular item is actually like our 16-ounce canister of prunes, and people just buy that, they put it in their refrigerator, and then they have like kind of a, you know, ready-to-go, convenient snack. And we're working on some new products, and... Um, one that's starting to go out to stores right now is the Sierra Trail Bites. So Sierra Trail Bites, repeat that. <laughs> um, and they are made um, it's a combination of prunes, dates, uh, almond flour, nuts, and seeds. And there's no sugar added. Um, it has three grams of fiber, three grams of protein, and it's all coming from the fruit and the nuts. So I'm really excited about it. It's simple ingredients, you know, doesn't have anything strange added to it. It's, I mean, it really is a very clean label. So we're really excited. And it's, uh, we have three flavors, um, almond delight, and then a cranberry walnut and a peanut butter berry. We had a consumer write in and say that they were mixing lemonade and prune juice, kind of like an Arnold Palmer. Um, and so... You know, we saw that, and we're like, you know what? That actually sounds really good. Like, it would taste really good. And there's been a really big growth in lemonade as a beverage and a flavor. Um, so there's also been a lot of growth on crew juice. So we thought, hey, why not, you know, combine those, and then we can appeal to a family household, um, you know, households with kids who like to drink lemonade or even just somebody who's never tried prune juice before, it might be uh, a way for them to try it for the first time. Um, so, and it tastes great. It's really refreshing. And we, we did kind of go for that kind of old-fashioned lemonade flavor um, with the prune juice. And prune juice is acting, again, like kind of as the sweetener. Um, I mean, it does also have sucralose in it, but, um, but the prune juice gives it a sweetness. Um, it has less sugar than traditional lemonade because we're able to have the sweetness without so much sugar. So, and then also has four grams of fiber. So it's still a digestive health, you know, beverage, but it's just more a broader appeal. Wyman's also is making it more convenient to eat fruit with a recent launch of its Just Fruit and Greek Yogurt Bites and Just Fruit and Banana Bites which Carol explains blends small pieces of flash-frozen fruit and Greek yogurt pellets into a single-serve cup. It is a fruit cup that's made with frozen, um, in this case, uh, blueberries, uh, main wild blueberries, uh, strawberries, and uh, we take banana puree and we freeze it like a dip and dot 
and we add it to the mix. So it, it's a healthier version of, of the treats you've known in the past. Uh, and so we just blend it together, we stick it in a cup, and, and um, kind of go from there. So, um, again, from a, I know when my kids come home from school, it's just a nice, easy thing to not have to do any prep. It's You peel the lid off, and you put it in front of them, and there you go. Um, but but I, think we, I think we need more of that. And so I'm in charge of innovation as well, and I can tell you that Wyman's has um, at least four products that we're hoping to launch in the next 12 months, all of which are fruit-focused. Uh, low in added sugar and um, are, are convenient. In the past, we were here's a three pound bag of fruit. Um, you know, three pound bags of fruit are great, and especially if you're at home and you're making a smoothie, you can take a scoop and throw it in your smoothie and, and go. Um, the cups just make it more portion controlled, and you know, it's easier for kids. And, and because we, we make these, uh, these fruit bites uh, out of liquid nitrogen, um, you know, it, it, it makes it more appealing to kids. I have an eight-year-old that, it, you know, if I want him to eat fruit, i got to wrestle him to the ground. And But if I give him one of our, our fruit cups, uh, he's like, oh, wow, this is like an ice cream treat, and and gladly will will down the whole thing. So I think that the packaging and the presentation is, is part of the magic. For SunSweet, the potential to swap prunes as a better-for-you alternative to other common ingredients and snacks is a high priority that Harrelson says the cooperative is exploring. Do you see a huge potential in snacks and other foods that incorporate prunes? Um, it's a really great ingredient for a lot of, um, you know, a lot of different reasons. But, like, for example, if you put it in a bar, it can very make it easy to have something that's gluten-free taste really good because uh, it acts as like a binder. It adds, you know, the fiber. It adds, um, it's a good replacement for sugar. So it doesn't have to be quite so sweet. It's also a fat replacer. Um, it can be a really great way to substitute fat. Um, people are actually more concerned about sugar right now, but so it is. It's a nice ingredient to add and have a lot of flavor um, because it tends to be a flavor booster. So we also have um, some products in the works and some um, companies we're working with that they're using prune as an ingredient in sauces for meat. And the reason is that it boosts the flavors of the other ingredients. So it has, you don't have to use as much salt and you don't have to use as much sugar. Um, so that's a, an area that we're looking at. Um, and then I would just say in terms of a healthy snack, it's just kind of the perfect healthy snack. So, you know, we are looking for a lot of different ways to try to introduce it into snacks where, you know, instead of, you know, there's only so much you can do with just that individual prune. We already have a lot of different options in the individually wrapped prunes or the, you know, snack sizes. Um, but, yeah, there's definitely an opportunity to incorporate it into other healthy snacks. We work with some, you know, dietitians and um, social media influencers. And so we did actually have one of our, um, uh, one of the partners that we work with, Erin Polinski Wade, she came up with a recipe that's called Plumus. <laughs> P L U M M U S, right? And it's a prune puree mixed with uh, garbanzo beans and basically, yeah. Yeah, so it's just like a little bit fruity, a little bit different. Um, you can get that nutrition from the prune, you know. 
Um, but maybe it is something like that. I think when you make eating fruits and vegetables fun, actually, I think that actually helps a lot. Carol notes Wyman's also is working with nutritionists and influencers to promote the use of blueberries as ingredients in better-for-you recipes, as well as partnering with other key gatekeepers, including retailers and schools. Look, our go-to-market strategy um, is really to try and find like-minded retailers that are interested in, in getting this out. Um, now, fortunately, a lot of a lot of um, uh, uh, Grocery stores now have registered dietitians on staff that are trying to help promote and, and get people to the right product. Um, not to say that they don't sell the you know syrupy, sugary things, but but at least there's someone advocating for uh, more healthy diets and, and uh, um, you know I think trying to get into school nutrition programs uh, is big. Um, it's something that we've tried to do. It's just very difficult because the school lunch programs are on such a tight budget. Um, so when they're offered a ice cream sandwich for a nickel, or you know a piece of fruit for a dime, they they go with a nickel because that's what they have to go with. Um, so so it's it's hard, but but we try to to, to get our voice out uh, you know whenever we can. One of the ways we, we chose was to come here defensive to try and meet the dietitians and nutritionists so they can help sort of become advocates for us and get the get the word out. Reaching children, whether through school or other outlets, will be key to reversing long-term fruit consumption trends, agrees Williams, who lifted up the work of schools in this area. Having kids um, know um, the, the taste and like the taste of fresh fruits and vegetables, getting in the habit of grabbing a you know a pear, an apple, a banana, a carrot sticks, whatever, as they're you know running out the door, or they're coming in instead of these ultra packaged things. You know they're used to getting these things in their lunch boxes again. I think some school programs have done a really good job because they've. I'm from Portland, and so we have salad bars full of fruits and vegetables, and so they they see it, they eat things that maybe they wouldn't have at home, and so these kids grow up to be adults. They have their own kids, and then they start feeding their kids what they're used to eating. So I think, you know, starting with kids is a, is a great first step. Other stakeholders, including the government, public health advocates, and nonprofits, also are exploring innovative ways to boost consumption of fruits and vegetables, including produce prescriptions and medically tailored meals that are reimbursed by insurers or partially funded by benefit programs. If you're interested in learning more about these strategies and the growing role of food as medicine, register for Food Navigator USA's upcoming free digital summit, Future Proofing the Food System, at foodnavigatorusasummit.com. With that, we've come to the end of another episode of Food Navigator USA's Soup to Nuts podcast. I hope that you enjoyed it and will join me again next week for another installment. And to ensure you remember, I encourage you to subscribe to us. Until next time, this is Elizabeth Crawford wishing you a productive, profitable, and safe week.